0: (coughs) January 9th 2021 first podcast of the new year turntable talk I'm Matt Barnhill the one doing the recording we have several people here with us today some of them have more content than others but all of us may be able to add some kind of input Blake is here
1: I am here I'm using speakers today, so I will be keeping my microphones muted for the duration, for the most part, unless I have something to add. Otherwise, everyone will hear everything twice. I'm sure they probably won't want that.
0: And I'm going to try to not cough it up during the podcast. I'll mute in a bit. Um, Russell is here. Robots, activate. Hi. That's right. And Char is here.
2: Hello, I'm Char, the only woman on the server that exists around here.
0: All right, and Chase so, is
1: here. that's why.
2: <laughs> oh Hello. yes, that's right. Sorry.
3: I'm Hello, Chase. There. It's nice to meet you all.
0: That's right. We might have a few we- alls that are going to be listening in the future. So, That's good. I don't know anything, I don't know very much about turntables. So, because of that, I'm going to let those who are in the know and who own these thyingies do some presentation.
1: <laughs> <Dying's. clears> Thanks. <throat> Do we draw stars to see who goes first? I wasn't you, Nobody got yielded to. Was, hey, it, I think you were going to go first. Us. We yeah, already talked you. about this before the podcast started. Oh, okay. okay. We got to remind the old All people right. of these things. Russ is five hundred. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> starting off with, um, I have been a technician. Most of my life, well, ever since I was a little bitty boy, and um, I was a tinker as a little boy, not a technician. But uh, I have worked on turntables of all types and whatnot. However, I'm not a big fan of working on the Victrolas. Um, don't care to get too involved with them, but. Um, I do like uh, the record changers and the magnetic turntables and many different brands and whatnot I've worked on. and Some I do like a lot more than others. But uh, we're going to first start off with a little bit of history of how turntables came into the revolution that they are now. And one thing to consider is there are basically two types of turntables that we will be talking about. And the first type is called a ceramic cartridge turntable. And then the next type is called the magnetic cartridge turntable. Now, Before we can understand what all this stuff does, we need to learn a few parts. And so I'm gonna start off by defining what the the names are are of the various parts of turntable. We're gonna start with the obvious and then we're gonna become um, more critical. So, we start off, of course, with the turntable itself. Some call it the platter, the part that spins. And there are many different ways in which the platter has been produced over time. You have some portable turntables that have a 7-inch platter on them. And the turntable, the platter part, is made out of plastic. And you sit, sit your record on that. <coughs> and some of them have these four little rubber feet spaced out, east, west, north, and south, on this plastic platter. And that's what your record sits on. And that's all the support it gets while it's spinning. And the platter being 7-inch, if you put in a, an LP, which is 12-inch, 12, 12 inches on this little platter, some of it just hangs over the edge. Doesn't hurt it because it's not going to be there for very long. So a lot of these little record players, the speaker would be underneath the LP while it's playing. It's located in the back. And um, rather than move it to the front, they put it back there, and it'll be underneath the LP. Does it it affect the sound of the quality of anything? Not really, because those little devices don't have that much in the way of frequency response to begin with. These units are ceramic. (coughs) And um, (coughs) so, so we have the platter. We have the 45 adapter, which comes in many styles depending on the style of turntable. We have the little round 45 adapter that everyone is familiar with, but we also have what is called the 45 stacker. And so, the 45, the 45 stacker, is where you can stack. You're supposed to stack no more than four 45s onto this little stacker, and then you have this arm that comes down on top of it to hold everything in place while it's going through its operation. That's called a repeater arm. And the reason it's called a repeater arm is so if it's lifted above a certain height other than completely down, The automatic system will go through a repeating process to engage and drop a record, and then play the record, and then when the record is finished, it'll pick up, go back to return, drop another record, come back and play the record, and on and on and on until all the records are played, and then the repeater arm will drop all the way down, and then the automatic system will pick up at the end of the record, go back to return and then put the arm at rest and then shut the whole turntable down. And so it's called a repeater arm because it makes the automatic repeat until all of the records are played. Or you can pull the repeater arm up and move it off to the side and it will make the turntable repeat that record indefinitely until you put the repeater arm down. Or, if you press the auto button during this process, it'll pick up the tone arm, go back to return, and then come back and start the whole record over at any point. So, many functions of that. So we have the repeater arm named, we have the platter named, we have the 45 adapter named, the two styles and the stacker, and we have the center spindle. That is the center of the platter where the little hole records that's where they're centered and some have a stacker for the changers that's when you want to stack your LPs you can stack up to four LPs and it will play one LP pick up the tone arm at the end come back to return drop an LP start playing it same way the 45 stacker works so Many styles of turntables do exist. And as as time has gone on, turntables have de evolved from what from what they once were in some ways. We have the standard turntable that plays one record in you you uh, have an automatic that does it, and you have two styles of automatic, three styles of automatics. You have what is called a semi-automatic, where you set the tone arm down on the beginning of the record, or wherever you want to set it on the record, and it plays the record and then gets to the end. The automatic picks up the tone arm, brings it to return, and then, set, and then puts it at rest and shuts the system off. That's all that automatic does, it's a semi-automatic. Then, you have what is called a fully automatic. A fully automatic will do everything that the semi-automatic does, plus you press the start-stop button, and it will pick up the tone arm from rest, scan to see how big the record is, and then go and put the tone arm in the appropriate spot to get it started. So, and then at the end of it, it will pick up and do the semi-automatic function, bring the torn arm back to return, and then place it at rest, and then shut the whole system off. Then you also have the automatic changers. And that's to the stackers. That's where you stack the records on it, and it goes through the same process. And the changers also have, most of them have got this extra little feature Whenever it brings the tone arm back to rest and it shuts itself off, it will also lock the tone arm in place to keep it from getting bumped. (laughs) Pretty ingenious, I thought. All of these that I'm talking about, especially the changers, have no microprocessor, no computer parts, no solid state parts or anything like that in them whatsoever. It is all strictly mechanical. A motor governs most of them. One motor drives everything. One motor. And you have many styles of motors. You have many different ways of regulating speed. The most common. It's where the turntable is set up to listen to the 60 cycles that's in everybody's electrical outlets. That gives it a point of reference. Or, in some cases, the motor is what is called an asynchronous motor. And so, whenever it hears that, it's going to spin at a specific speed every time. And all the parts in the turntable having to do with speed, whether it be the idler tires, I mean idler wheels, the um, <clears throat> the diameter of the turntable inside, um, how far the belt reaches from the turntable to the pulley on the motor—all this kind of stuff is taken into consideration to work with how fast the motor is spinning. Typically, 2,400 RPMs. That's really getting it, to get something, to spin something 33, 45, 78 RPMs. But it's all in what they have to do. little motor has to spin that fast because when you're dealing with speed and torque, they are inversely proportional. That that speeds fast, that that has no torque that that spins slow that that spins slow that that has that torque a a, an electric ice cream maker especially the little ones they have the same motor in them that a turntable has a, a changer would have an ice cream maker you know, the kind that sits in the sink and it has the bucket that spins around it. It's Yeah, it's got the same motor in it that a turntable has got, except it's got a gearbox. It takes that 2400 RPM motor and transforms it into a high torque situation, low speed situation so that little motor can have the strength to turn the bucket inside all of that melting ice and with ice cream trying to form with the paddle inside. Pretty ingenious, I thought. Whenever I was first introduced to an electric ice cream maker and my family was, we thought that was the greatest thing since sliced bread. There was a time when when bread was not sliced, you had to slice it yourself. I still have a bread slicer here. But anyway, not that I use it that much unless I made my own bread, but anyway, I digress. Turntables have got basically three types of motors. They have the AC motor, which is what I just explained. They've also got the brushless DC motor, and they have the direct drive motor. Now, the <coughs> asynchronous motor has got a shaft in it that is graduated. It has different sizes on it. You got the big shaft which comes out of the motor. And sometimes they have this little spring that makes the shaft even bigger than what that is that's for playing 78s what happens is is you got this mechanism inside the changers mostly where you move you slide this slider and to change the speed on it well what you're doing is is you're moving an idler wheel which is a rubber wheel up and down the graduations on this motor that's spinning. And if the idler wheel is at the bottom of the motor, where it's the thickest part of the shaft, the idler wheel is going to spin the fastest. And the idler wheel is also in contact on the inside with the platter, and it's spinning the platter while it's being spun by the motor. It's, it's in a <clears throat> catch-22 situation. It can't do anything except what it's told. When you change the speed, it's going to move up that shaft to a smaller diameter, and it will spin slower. Therefore, the turntable will spin slower, and so on, and so on. That's how changers change their speed. Now, <clears throat> that's asynchronous. AC asynchronous. Now you have the DC brushless, the brushless DC motors. These are servo controlled. There's that magic word, servo. Servo is a circuit that regulates how something does something and it also has feedback to know how much it has progressed or not progressed once the order is given. Servo also needs its own point of reference. Servos can be designed to listen to the 60 hertz hum or a servo, some of them, like my Technics turntable here, it creates its own point of reference. That's why my turntable is called a frequency generator servo turntable system. It creates its own tone to listen to. And what that means is, it listens to enough of and it expects that motor to have rotated so many times during those intervals. And the motor is also referred to as a stepper motor. It's giving feedback on every time it's made a revolution or so many clicks inside the revolution. Whatever it's doing, the servo is aware that the motor is spinning (coughs) and that it is spinning at the right right or not the right speed. And the servo, if the motor's not spinning fast enough, the servo will say speed up. If it's not if it's too fast, it'll say slow down. And it's watching it as it's doing it to tell it how much to speed up or slow down. That's how come a lot of times when you hear a belt-driven turntable start up, you hear it go, mmm, like that. That's that servo say, go, go! Slow down! You got it. Nailed it. That's servo. And you have another type of motor, the direct drive motor. The direct drive motor has no belts, your platter is sitting on top of the motor in this case. And if you remove the platter, you'll see this big round thing that's underneath there. It spins. That is the top part of the motor, which inside of that is nothing but a great, big, donut-shaped magnet. And underneath that magnet are these coils of wire. These coils of wire when voltages AC voltages are passed through them interact with that magnet thus the magnetic fields propel the turntable while all is suspended above the coils and here's that magic word again direct drive turntables are controlled by servos It's a servo motor doing the action. So, it knows how fast that turntable is spinning. It knows to tell it to speed up or slow down. And some of them even have auto strobe. You see it come on and lock right on there. Some of them are called quartz lock Uh, servo. Quartz lock frequency generator servo. If it's quartz lock that means it's got a very very precise point of reference that it's listening to that doesn't change for anything so unless something is wrong all things have malfunctions so we're going to move on from all of that wonderful stuff and move over to the strobe which a lot of higher performance turntables has got what is called a strobe and strobe pitch that is to set the speed of the turntable accurately how this works is there is a light it's a neon bulb, sometimes it's an LED, according to how they've set it up. And it is being reflected onto mirrors that go around the circumference of the turntable, facing outward. Now, what happens is, is while the turntable is turning, that light is flashing approximately 60 times a second and when the light comes on you see the reflection off of the mirrors that's right there next to it when the light goes off it's all still moving and then when the light comes back on again the mirrors have moved but they're lined back up again with another set of mirrors in the same place you hope whenever this is going on and it's moving that that quickly it gives the impression that the dots that are going around the turntable in front of that light are not moving. That's what a strobe does, it freezes live action. Whether on a turntable, whether in a discotheque, it can freeze live action. So, If it's moving, if the the lights are marching in the direction that the turntable is turning, that means that the speed is too fast. If they're marching opposite of the direction of the turntable, the way it's turning, the speed is too slow. So that's what a strobe pitch is and how it works. And all of this is adjusted by your pitch control now we're moving on over to the everybody's favorite the tone arm the tone arm most of them are what is on a pivot that means the back of the tone arm stays in one place and it pivots from straight down over to an angle on the to to the turntable to the end of the record that's what most of them do There's another style of tone arm action. It's called the linear tracking. We'll talk about that in a minute. Parts of the tone arm. (coughs) From the very back of the tone arm, if you're fortunate, your tone arm has got what is called a counterweight. That's a heavy piece of metal stuck on the back of your tone arm that weight can be moved doesn't mean you go move it until you know what you're doing that weight wherever its position where it's positioned affects your tracking force how much pressure the stylus is pressing against the record all stylee have specifications detailing how much tracking force is necessary for them to perform their function you can set the tracking force too low and it causes all kind of distortion and noise because the stylus can't hold on to the (laughs) groove you can set it too high and it causes other issues even destruction of your stylus even damage to your record so you want to be sure it's it's set where it needs to be set so everything is balanced moving forward you have the pivot and then you move on down the tone arm to where some of them have what is called the locking sleeve this is useful when necessary when removing what is called the head shell on some turntables. Not all have this. Now, the head shell is where the cartridge is. It's what it's mounted to. It's like, it gives your cartridge a little home, a little shelter. And some head shells has this protruding thing that sticks out of the side called the finger lift. It's where you put your finger to lift the tone arm up and put it on the record. That's all part of the head shell. Underneath the head shell, that flat piece of plastic with a metal shield underneath it, on some of them, you have what is called the cartridge. The cartridge is like a pickup. It is a pickup. It's what's listening The stylus. Stylus is the business part of the whole system. It's what's touching the record, it's what's being vibrated by the record. Now, you have different types of cartridges. You have what is called a ceramic cartridge, which is one of the oldest cartridges. A ceramic cartridge can send audio into a light input. It puts out that much sound. A ceramic cartridge is like you have a microphone or two microphones if it's stereo and they're so placed on this plastic thing that's holding the stylus, they're so placed so they can listen to the stylus vibrate, and so all of this sound is being picked up and sent to the amplifier by these two, let's call them microphones. Really, it's like a little pad, a little rubber pad that the stylus rests against—not the tip of the stylus, but the you know the, on the other side, uh, but. With the cantilever, which is the long part that uh, is not touching the record, but what the tip of the stylus is mounted to is called a cantilever. And so, that is picked up and sent to the amplifier. The cantilever vibrates, because it's on the suspension. Now, you have what is also called the magnetic cartridge. (coughs) you've heard it said dual moving magnet single moving magnet well that's the popular thing now is the moving magnet there's also a moving coil but we're going to talk about the moving magnet and the, the magnetic cartridge doesn't work like the ceramic does the magnetic cartridge how it works is the cantilever, the stylus tip, and all of that is the microphone. So it's very efficient. You have a greater frequency response with the magnetic cartridge rather than the ceramic one. But the magnetic cartridge doesn't put out much energy. So that's why you have to have a preamp to get everything amplified up to line level. Now, some receivers and amplifiers have the preamp built in. It's being amplified back up to line level inside the set. Also, too, turntable cartridges are not linear. They do not have a flat frequency, frequency response they can produce a lot of treble but they can't produce a lot of bass so they have to have equalizers that is located inside the preamp circuit that helps it to boost its bass while cutting the treble down to make the cartridge frequency response more linear more level so before I go on. Does anyone have any questions or comments? Okay. Either no one has any questions or they're asleep.
0: I find it very interesting. Continue.
1: Okay. Thank you. Now, we're going to talk about how the counterbalance, the counterweight, that is, and an escape work. First, I'm not tired, I'm just trying to get my breath. First, you have to zero your tracking force. That is, once you get it zero, your tonearm stylus will be floating in the air. You have to get everything zeroed. So it'll be calibrated correctly whenever you add the weight back to it. The counterweight has got numbers wrote on it on this little ring that spins. And so you want to get everything zeroed like a seesaw, where the the tone arm is completely level, suspending in space. Then you spin that little ring around, not the counterweight, but the little ring to where the zero appears and is pointing at the line on the tone arm to tell you that it's zeroed. Then you clamp the tone arm down You spin the counterweight to where the numbers will, the little ring will spin with the counterweight and the numbers will um, ascend. And then you go up and up and up until you've reached the specifications of where your, your tracking force is. Usually two grams by most cartridges that are out there today. And uh once you've done that, you set the antiscate also to whatever the tracking force is. The reason for this is, for the antiscate, is when you put the counterweight on there, it's putting force at the other end of the tonar up to whatever you've set it for. Well, when you do that, once the stylus gets beyond a certain point, that weight kind of shifts a little bit. And it wants to push on the stylus to where it wants to kind of push towards the label. That is called skating. The ant is a hair spring, little dewy dewy. And as you turn it, that spring is kind of wrapping around this form, and but not completely. And the other end of that little, little springy thing <coughs> is connected to the inside, underneath the tone arm, where it can grab hold of the tone arm from underneath and put a little tug on it. As it's moving further and further towards the label, it keeps the tone arm from wanting to charge towards the label by giving it something to kind of pull on it to keep it from tripping over itself sideways and (laughs) over over towards the label. That's what Antiscape does. Sometimes Antiscape gets in the way of operations. If you have a record that's badly scratched, and if that record The scratch hits the stylus a specific way it'll cause it to skip backwards it's because the aniscape is interacting with it it bumped it and so the aniscape's job is no no don't fall stay stay standing stay standing come on this way no don't fall come on this way and so sometimes it can get caught in the loop if it's too too much force for it Sometimes you can turn the Aniscape off on old records and it'll play the record perfectly. Sometimes it won't. <laughs> you have to experiment and decide that for yourself. But it is important to play records with the tracking force and the Aniscape set appropriately especially when playing new records, because that will keep your grooves trained. It won't make them wallow out to one side. That's inappropriate. So, I hope I've explained that well enough. Now we're gonna talk about the wires behind the cartridge. The wires that's in the tone arm. What's all of that about? <coughs> It's really quite simple. The wires that come out of the to- the um, cartridge, there are four of them. The two up at the top of the cartridge, <coughs> one of them is audio left channel. Another one is audio right channel. The bottom one is audio um, Ground left channel. The other one is audio ground right channel. They are two separate grounds. Then you have a fifth wire that you don't see. It's inside the tone arm. That is the tone arm ground. That is to prevent. Whenever you're reaching for the torn arm, keeps you from going, and throwing its bad looks at you. It gives you the point of reference. Ground means zero votes. What do you get whenever something faces zero? Nothing. So. If uh, whatever you're doing, because your body does radiate energy, electrical energy, if you come in towards that ground on the tone arm and it picks you up, it's going to send it with that zero volts, and so therefore the amplifier is not going to hear it so easily. It's not a guarantee always, but it's going to greatly reduce it. and the cartridge it has got its left and right and grounds for each left and right, so only the audio is heard and nothing else. These things are crucial in high amplification, whether it be ceramic or magnetic or magnetic heads on a tape deck or whatever. Those things are critical. They've got to be where they're supposed to be. So, the best way to play a record and preserve the life of your stylus is with automatic system or a damped cueing. D-A-M-P-E-D, damped cueing. damped cueing it's whenever you throw the switch the tone arm slowly lifts up and when you put it over the record and you throw the switch to let it go back down to descend it slowly goes back down that's called a damped cueing it's damped. it keeps cushioning viscous so that's the best way to do it anything else unless you've had extreme practice, which is not wrong. Keeping in mind, no one is born knowing all of this stuff, except for me. <clears throat> but anyway, um, anytime you're using your hands on your tone arm to set it down, set, the, set it down on the record and whatnot, whether you intend to or not, you are adding at intervals, transients, undue weight. But it's not a horrible thing. Because sometimes you've got to do what you've got to do. And that's the way it is. Now, with a lot of you newcomers, when you set your tone arms down and it makes noise, and it horrifies you it's the most awfulest thing you've heard well keep in mind most of you are using magnetic turntables that little stylus is the microphone element itself and whenever it encounters anything anything that amplifier is going to hear it the more the weight, the more the jiggling, the louder the sound. <laughs> and to get it perfect, or almost perfect, because you can't you will never get it perfect regardless of who you are. Um there's going to be some sound. Always remember to turn the amplifier down low whenever putting the tone arm on the record. So you don't overwork your speakers and don't overwork your amplifiers. That's very important. Your amplifier and your speakers will love you for it. Now, any questions? Any comments? Is there anything I've missed? Is there really that much difference
0: in frequency response between the magnetic and the ceramic where the microphones are further up the chain? Is there that much difference?
1: Absolutely, yes. Oh. The frequency, res- the frequency response of my magnetic cartridge on my turntable right here is 15 hertz to 35 kilohertz. Nice the frequency response of a ceramic turntable is about 100 hertz to 6000 hertz
0: wow that's a huge difference
1: mm-hmm.
0: why did they put better microphones really up in that
1: circuit bad. then Do, try, go
0: ahead matt, matt why didn't they put better microphones up in that circuitry then for the ceramics
1: because um the ceramics are meant to be cost effective. Oh okay.
3: They're not meant to be high end like magnetic cartridges were back then.
1: Or are now. Or, 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 an hour. or, or yeah. they're not quite they're not quite the same way they're not quite the same as what they once were. <clears throat> not unless you want to pay a thousand, two thousand dollars for one. Which is ridiculous.
0: Have you have any of you ever had the, the power go out mentioned. while listening to a record and then everything slows down regardless of whether it wanted to or not?
1: Oh yeah I didn't have a choice oh yeah
2: can I make a comment sure can. Um, I was just gonna say I think I had some sort of a power surge happen with me Matt uh, about a week and a half ago uh, where my uh, record t- uh, slowed down and then it went back to what it normally would be a normal speed after yeah. Yeah, and it was very strange because it's never done that again. So I'm thinking there was something wow. going on in my building for that to happen. The power didn't that go completely out, pressure. which is good. Yeah, yeah, definitely so.
3: Ooh, this is going to be really strong tea. I let this steep while I was cooking, so it's okay. been steeping for about 15 minutes. Now, You've been doing
2: a good job, Russell. Balance. Thank you very much for everything. It's been good information. Sure. So Have uh, we. One more, more uh, thing?
4: Go ahead. <laughs> Have have you uh, talked about the S-shaped tone arm? Because I've been in here for the past forty minutes. so I don't know if you already no, covered that not. or not. Okay.
1: I no. have not. Um, okay. One thing I want to talk about is some turntables do not have a counterbalance. Mm. They're fixed. Well, I want to get into that. They have what is um, called a spring balance. And so they have a spring in there and the spring is tugging on the front side of the tonearm from the back and that can be adjusted in a lot of cases, it can be adjusted in any case because you can, you can tighten and loosen a spring if you know what you're doing. And you can see. <laughs> um, I used to be able to do that with the greatest of ease but I can't do it anymore. Like I want to but uh, anyway and the spring is calibrated to work with a specific cartridge more than likely the cartridge that the thing came with and so and you say well aren't all cartridges the same no they are not all cartridges have different masses different weights. And mass and weight are not the same thing. So you have to take all of that into account and make everything counterbalanced correctly because your job is to make that little suspension effect that the the cartridge is experiencing with the stylus be just as comfortable as possible. Now, Richard is uh, talking about the different different styles of tone arms. (coughs) Two most popular tone arms are called the straight line tone arm. And you have what is called the S-shaped tone arm. Some S-shaped tone arms really are J-shaped tone arms. But they're called S-shaped anyway. They have a specific function, each one. The straight line tone arms are just like what they sound. They are straight, and the cartridge is at the end, and it's kind of got a little leaning towards the, uh, towards the label a little bit, if it's held straight, you know. So, um, yeah, those are, those are straight line tone arms. And a lot of those have the finger lift on the very front of them, Strangely enough. And rather than sticking out the side. But those are straight line tone arms. And their their main function is. Straight. Trackability. A straight line tone arm. Is real good at tracking. Not skipping. And all of this kind of thing. Okay, but you sacrifice a little bit of sound that way. Straight line tone arms are not the best sound. S-shaped tone arms have the best, have the best regards for distortion, low distortion. So S-shape sounds better. So, because it is going to play the record at an angle that is beneficial to the where the stylus and the record can made up more appropriately, so there's less distortion. And so, those are two typically the you know the two tone arms out there. And. uh so then you have what is called a linear tracking system. That is a completely controlled by servo typically operation. That is where the back of the tone arm is not on a pivot, <clears throat> it's on a suspension. And the whole tone arm moves horizontally down the record. The whole thing, it's a straight line tone arm and it moves straight down the record. And the way it is described, the linear tracking turntable plays the record the way it was cut on the lathe. So with that, you are expected to have the best distortion overall with um, the best zero tracking error. Linear turntables should have no tracking error. Does that mean they ever skip, or get caught up in a groove? Yes, because no record is perfect. And some linear tracking turntables get confused if the record is not perfect. <laughs> Especially the cheap ones. Okay, does everyone understand what a linear tracking is and S-shaped and straight line is? I guess so. Yep, yeah. yep, yeah, so far Okay. All right, you also have what is called a programmable linear tracking. Now, a lot of records have a space in between the songs on there. These spaces are visible. They are called LANDS, L-A-N-D-S, LANDS. That's what the little spaces are called. And a programmable linear tracking has got an optical sensor on the front of the tonar just ahead of the stylus, and it can look down at that record and it can look for those lands. You could say, play track five out of eight, and it will scan the entire record and memorize where all the lands are. And then it will come back and mm, drop it right there at the beginning of track number five because it saw it and it's got it in memory. And now and then, you can press, go back two songs while it's in the middle of playing. It'll pick up the tone arm and go back two songs, descend it, and begin playing at track three. Programmable linear tracking turntable. And some, you can even program a memory into them. Play track one, play track nine, or not track nine, track eight, track four, track seven, track five, Track 1 again, and then track 2, and it will play them in that order. (coughs) That's a programmable linear tracking turntable with memory. Also, some of them with that sensor. Get a scan out there and see that it's a 12-inch record, and it would automatically set its speed to 33. You see it's a seven inch record and it automatically set its speed to 45. That is not a perfect situation. It is assuming if it's a 12-inch record it's 33. If it's a seven-inch record, it's 45. That's not always the case. I got some forty I got some seven inches that are 33s and I've got some 12 inches that are 45, Charlene and I just listened to one a couple of days ago
3: so do I I have 12 inches that are 45 I was mm-hmm. going to say can you can you still manually tell it
1: yes that it's
3: the right speed okay you, can
1: over, you just have to stand there and do it when it's you know going to do it so that's a little inconvenience but it's the way it is price of fame I kind of want one of those <laughs> they're a piece of junk um, yeah What I'm talking about but uh, nevertheless, they were crack- handcrafted by the devil himself. I don't know I've worked on two of them, three of them. The ones I repaired, they left working, but they didn't work long. They were junk. And they were made by BSR. Um, but anyway, someone even wrote in a forum in regards to this changer, I mean changer, this uh, player having zero tracking error, he wrote, a BSR with zero tracking error? Hmm. It was funny. But anyway, now, is there any questions? Anything I've missed? Um...
3: I, I was trying to ask earlier what you meant by vertical, or er, um, when the tone arm went straight down, but the tone so arm
1: went
3: straight down? when you were talking about how it lineal, lin, linearly tracks.
1: Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Picture a straight line tone arm, okay.
3: Uh huh. Kind okay. of like what's and on my Audio Technica.
1: Right now. Okay. Think of you now your your audio technica, it uh, mm-hmm. you know the back of the tonearm stays in one place.
3: In one right? place. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then the other part of oh. it moves all the record, oh. right? Now with the linear yeah. tracking, the whole thing picks up and moves down the groove. Oh. Cool. The whole thing does. That, in a straight that, line. That's pretty cool. Yeah.
3: That's pretty cool actually. And so
1: That's a linear tracking. And with that, there's supposed to be zero tracking error throughout the record because it is playing the record the way it was cut.
2: Mm.
1: Okay. But not all records are perfect. No. And some of them get confused with that. Okay, any more questions? any more somebody's engine everybody asleep?
2: no I don't have any questions I can't think of any questions at the moment I think you've given a lot of really good information
4: no I I can't think of any questions over here but uh, when did you start doing the uh, the vinyl talk show at 7 eastern my about time or?
1: no it was about seven forty-five my time we had okay. some issues come up and so,
4: stuff like that and, so you started and at like eight forty-five my time okay so i didn't miss right. too much then okay i probably missed like maybe 20 minutes then give or
1: take Not yeah, something like that okay yeah yeah you're we good we had some things come up and uh I had some things come up and uh, okay. I had to take had to take care of all of them and mm-hmm. yeah. stuff. So everything kind of got pushed. Okay. Well, well, okay.
4: well. At least, at least, at least, it got to happen, though, according to plan. So. <laughs> well, it happened, not according to plan. Though, right. It
1: did happen. <laughs> it's happened. It could, yeah. it,
4: it could, it could, it could have got postponed, but.
3: That's going to be funny. I didn't know that mic was sensitive enough to pick up that engine. I didn't even think to mute. That was someone's car about a block away.
1: Alright. Does everyone here know how a magnetic cartridge works?
3: I have a faint (coughs) inkling.
1: I'd like to hear the description. (coughs) Okay. We're talking about the stylus tip. And then what the stylus tip is attached to, the cantilever. And the cantilever goes into this little rubber ball looking thing. It's held in there by epoxy. And on the top of this rubber ball, does everybody here know what the letter V looks like? The print letter V? Yep. Yes. Okay. These Two magnets are placed on the top of this rubber ball and they go out in a V formation this is for a dual magnetic cartridge and in uh, the magnet that's on the left side vibrates from the left side of the, the stylus is being uh, assaulted by the groove or whatever and the right magnet vibrates when the right side of the stylus is being assaulted by the groove or whatever so these two magnets once the stylus is installed to the cartridge goes up into these two coils that um are inside the cartridge all the cartridge has in it are coils two coils if it's stereo that's all that's in there two coils, and they are covered in epoxy to hold everything still over time. You're never going to take a cartridge apart and work on it. Um, so you might be able to do some minor things to it, like clean out the cores on the coils or something like that. That's if you've got the right tools and got the site to do so, but not too much more. And then these two magnets go up inside the coils once the stylus is installed <clears throat> and whenever the the stylus tip is vibrated cantilever vibrates and the magnets vibrate and that vibrating magnetism inside these coils creates electricity That's how a generator works. When the stylus is pressed up, it sends a voltage positive. When the stylus is let down, it sends a voltage negative. Vibrations, you get a sine wave. Whatever wave it is, it's created uh, from the vibrations. So that is how a moving magnet cartridge works. Neat, huh? Cartridges and oh. styling. Um, the ones like mine and um, the ones that are back in the day, they were made by hand. And someone actually sat there with a the microscope and sculptured it and made it the shape it's supposed to be. Today, the ones that are $10, $12, like that, they're stamped out of the machine. doesn't mean that they're horrible. It just means that they were mass produced. So, there is the nutshell of... Oh, sensors! Sensor pins. Let's talk about sensor pins. How does the turntable know what the size of the record is? Well, if you have a fully automatic turntable if it's not a linear tracking with the sensor on the tip of the, the tone arm, looking for lands in the record now, looking to see if there's a record actually there. Um, there are sensor pins inside the turntable itself, the the platter. When you put the record on there and the turntable is spinning, checking out the record, you're preventing some of these sensor pins from lifting, and it knows it's a 12-inch. And if one sensor pin can come up and the other one cannot, it knows it's a 7-inch. They don't make a lot of turntables now that will do sensor pins for 10-inches. You pretty much have to play those manually even on the changers. I only knew one changer that would play a 10, well, no, BSR turntables with the uh, selector switch on them. They have selector switches to, to know what size the record is you're playing. Either they'll play a seven, a 10, or a 12, you set the switch on the side. But, I've only known one turntable that would guess at the what size the record is based on what speed it was. And that was a Garrard. Garrard's a real nice turntable. I like BSRs too, they're easy to work on. All right, have I covered it?
2: I think so. Yeah, I'm
4: good. I think you. I think you pretty much got everything. I think you nailed it all. If if you missed something, yeah. I don't know what it could be.
3: Yeah, I can't think mm-hmm.
1: of anything. Good. I think I everything mean, else you guys already know by your own experiences and mm-hmm. all this kind of thing. Yeah. So
3: lifting up, putting down, just.
2: just
1: we don't need to talk about rough. what the well, ground the- wire is for and all that stuff. No. So, no. You know, no. So.
3: All right. The viewers might need to... Well, nah. Should well, if anyone... Gone.
4: If any people who may be listening or if anyone comes across this in the future, this would be a good thing to listen to for people who would want to get into vinyl or, or something like that. Absolutely. I did not have this. I did I didn't have anything like this. When I first started collecting vinyl, I had to learn it from uh well, Russell here a couple of years I later, you- so I had
3: YouTube, but YouTube didn't prepare me for the nightmare that I was going to experience with my counterbalance and anti-skate. I knew they were going to be on my new turntable and I was kind of freaking out. I'm like yeah! <laughs>
1: this turntable sitting right here um I got this turntable for Christmas when I was 14. hmm and uh it still works to this day well it's had it's had a lot of work done to it yeah recently too it uh, has not recently
4: wait I thought it got
1: but been about five years
4: I thought you are talking uh, about the uh Oh, the you know, technics. when I got here,
1: yeah, the, the stuff got, some of his accessories got moved, uh, got lost in the move. Okay, I thought you were talking about the, the Technics, okay. I'm sorry, my yeah, bad. Yeah, I am talking about the Technics. Okay. Um, I am talking about it. Um, Yeah, um, I lost some stuff off it, courtesy of the Movers. Right. I had to buy a whole bunch mm-hmm. of more stuff, and... Rebuild my head shell, I had to buy a head shell. I got about 300 Ouch. more dollars into it. So, I the move. Wow. But that's because I, I want, I'm looking for a specific sound and a specific right. way of it doing things. This turntable I'm very used to and um, because I've had it for so long, I've been up and down the road with it before, and so um, I like it.
3: It's, the same way I feel it's easy about for it. me to
1: maintain, so...
3: I have a question. I did this out of curiosity once. I only did mm-hmm. it for like half a second. However, when I was putting together my Crosley, I thought, I wonder if you can feel the direct drive motor spin, but
2: when you didn't put the platter
3: on, when you don't put the platter on, it doesn't do anything. I mean, it kind of goes... it does do do, do." do
1: something, too. Uh, You can aggravate it, and it'll go back and forth like a washing machine. It'll go... It did that for like...
3: It did that for a second, but then it stopped. Like it stopped itself. Mm-hmm. Right. i kind of wondering is how it knew. doing
1: something. Yeah, well, it's because the weight is not there. Um, ah. You know. See, servo is dependent on. Okay, it's like this. Let's say you're a servo. Mm-hmm. And you're and you know that when you wake up in the morning, you're gonna be on planet Earth, you're gonna be inside that house, you are, your grandmother's gonna be in the den, and all your things are gonna be with you where you are. Okay? Mm -hmm. Well, let's say you wake up and you're inside a void.
3: (laughs) Ooh.
1: (laughs) Okay. You'd be pretty
3: confused.
1: (laughs) Right, you would panic probably have a stroke and die, or something like that. But a servo would say, this is not making any sense to me. I've been given these parameters and none of the parameters are here. So Mm -hmm. what am I supposed to do? Mm -hmm. Standing still is not one of my options. I'm supposed to be busy. And so servos have been taught lessons over time by they're engineers. Whenever this happens to you, darling, you don't have to do this. Some servos mm-hmm. will shut down altogether, and sometimes it's hard to get some of them started back up again. You have to, con- you have to convince them a technical way <laughs> to get started Ooh. back up again. Yes, <clears throat> it gets to be a pain in the butt. I can but uh, but. Uh, some servos have got a good heart about them. You unplug them, and you hook them back up again, and you're,
2: good morning, <laughs>
1: ready to go at it again. <laughs> you know, so, yep. but um, but no, um, whenever you are doing that, have done that, um, you have put your servo at a disadvantage because you have removed part of what it was told was going to be there for it, ah, and it wasn't there, and so it didn't know what to do. Makes sense. Used to, used to servos, when they encountered something like that, they'd go for broke and try to spin whatever it was just as fast as they can get it to spin, and then uh, it would heat up, sometimes it would even glow, uh, fly all the pieces and injure you. Ew, no thanks. 'Cause servo had no point of reference. Kind of servo. So really <laughs> no, they're not yours ain't gonna do that because it's of a new generation, a newer generation. The servos haven't done that in the last twenty years. Um oh, wow. they have become more tolerant of the human race. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. But uh, Ooh, I as, t- as time went on, as time went on, the younger generations are more undereducated and um, are apt to do things that they shouldn't. And so, therefore, we've had to design the equipment to be more accommodating. And with that, you get a trade-off where one thing has had to take care of itself, you have lost the performance of something else. Then, that particular discipline or technology is forgotten. And, uh, you know, and did you wind up with the cheap mess that's out there now? But, A lot of that too is because a lot of countries that built the stuff has starved. They don't have any money to afford to build anything nice anymore. But now it's only recent that the youngest generations are wanting to get back into the way things were. Now they've got a market for it But they're wanting to charge you tooth and nail for it. Oh, yeah. That's wrong.
4: You got to pay more for a new album than you would a CD back in the day. Mm -hmm. And that's saying something.
2: Oh, yeah. It's sickening. It really is. (laughs) My
1: my turntable, if it were being sold in the market today, it would be worth $2,000.
4: Holy crap.
1: Back when I bought it, it was 200
4: You know why it's probably worth all that money? Because they don't make anything like that in today's market anymore. No, they
1: don't. My, my turntable's got a static- Yours is a vintage
4: piece of equipment.
1: It is vintage. It's got a static-balanced arm, static-balanced head shell, it's got a dual moving magnet cartridge that can track at one and one quarter grams. Oh, I mean, not the cartridge, but the stylus. Um, a lot of things about it that you don't, you know, you don't hear about no more. It's accommodating to anything almost, and what it's not accommodating to, it can be set up for it hmm but you don't see that anymore nope why because the younger generations do not create
4: and plus the younger generations don't know probably have no idea that there were better things out there before their time so it's not mm-hmm. their fault that they don't know it's, they weren't no, it's told or exposed fault. they weren't exposed to it so how would they know
1: no it's not their fault and none of my generation blames the younger generation Mm-mm. for what has happened to them.
4: No. It's what's getting, the it's what's it's in what's, demand now and, and what's being created now and...
1: Well, it's not just that. It's about life in general, what I'm talking about. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they don't, they don't know anything because they're not taught anything and then nope. the world is so set up for them not to learn anything mm-hmm. except political correctness which is dumb in the first place exactly now um see back when i was young and you bought a turntable that meant you had a plan you didn't just go and buy a turntable and you were done with it a lot of times when you bought a turntable back then, you bought the turntable. <laughs> right. You bought the base and the turntable. That was it. No right. tone arm, no nothing. Okay. No nothing, yeah. You had to go buy the tone arm, and then you had to install the tone arm or have somebody install it for you that knew what they were doing, wire it up, and static balance it. Ooh. In other words, you were building your own system, then you were ready to be a DJ when you got done with it. Mm-hmm. And um, nice. you had to go buy your headshell, buy your cartridge, buy your stylus. Um, sometimes you had to buy the headshell cables.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Sometimes Damn. you can buy the tone arm wires. Um, wow. you know, you were building the thing.
4: Yeah, so you Holy had to make cow. it from the ground up, pretty wow. much. You had to make it. I you didn't would, you know you know, this had was... to. Oh, I you thought it came with everything, and you had to put it together. Holy crap, okay.
2: Yeah, no, well, that's yeah. what I thought, table, too.
1: By my, you know, my turntable, whenever it was purchased, a Panasonic wanted to be a little bit more lenient. They, uh, so you got everything except the cartridge and stylus mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the wires will be dangling down uh, from the head shell and we got it
3: alright so today's modern generation for,
1: this is broken mm-hmm. they, wouldn't, they would this try to broken. play it with and the wires it. hanging off of it you know yep. so but uh you know, you didn't get no hardware, no nothing. You had to buy that. Well, it came with the cartridge. Wow. So you had to put all that together because this was going to be your turntable. You chose it for what it, what you wanted to do. Now, what your turntable does is totally dependent upon the stylus. Its frequency response, its distortions, mostly, and. Uh, tracking force, all that is determined by the stylus. Whoa. The cartridge just holds on to the stylus and listens to it.
3: Okay.
1: And so, but uh, that's it. It wow. was a different world back then. No kidding. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> but now, all they're trying to do is just fleece everybody because to because they want to appreciate something that's from a long gone time that's wrong Mm -hmm. yeah
3: i mean i like that mine is still upgradable but still hello
4: yeah. No, I we're here. Some. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, We're here. We're okay.
3: here. Okay. I've I've noticed that there's a bug right now where if my phone locks, sometimes you guys can't hear me.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, I. No. Think we're I was ready. talking. I was talking to somebody earlier today, and uh, I think it was Blake I'm talking about my turntable and, and everything. And my turntable is not on the same priority as what's out there now, by no means. No. And I'm not trying mm-hmm. to brag or anything like that. I don't mean it that way. I'm just saying that I am of expertise and I built mine that way.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I made, I made it what it is. Out of, uh, this is what I wanted. And so I did some things to it that the factory didn't even do so there is no mm, oh, mm, mm, Boom, woo, mm, <laughs> nothing like that occurring from it the only thing you hear is what has touched the stylus and that's the wow. only thing that's generators mm-hmm. I, I purchased this turntable i stripped it down i even have a different tone arm on it than what it came with and uh and i made it mine cool
2: that is cool yep
1: thank you (coughs) but uh, mine is a belt drive i've always liked belt drives
0: belts break and they wear out how could you like uh, belt drives, as opposed to oh, what you call where the uh, the platter is the motor. The servo. The, the direct drive.
4: The direct drive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my the, the belt drive is uh, a lot quieter. I think. You no, know,
3: I've noticed that. Mm-hmm.
1: The, uh, but that's what drive, the Crosley well, has. Yeah, your Crosley only belt uh, drive, I think. The only
4: record player I had that was uh belt driven was the Sony one, everything else was uh the direct drive. Direct,
1: mm-hmm. but uh, mm. uh the uh, sometimes the magnets on a direct drive fail and you're out of turntable. Ooh. Magnets do not like to have things opposing them all the time. They will decide I don't like it no more and they quit working.
4: Then you probably got to pay an arm and a leg to take it somewhere and get it fixed if you don't know what you're you doing won't with get it. Get it fixed. So you got to get another turntable. Lovely. Get another
1: turntable. Yeah.
4: Lovely. Wow.
1: The only way you can fix it is if you find another one like it and it's working
4: well i'll be now i see why you like belt driven turntables
3: better yeah i agree
1: a lot easier to maintain yes uh, let's see my last belt uh, when i replaced it let's see it was what 35 years old oh wow (laughs) dang oh wow
2: (laughs)
4: that's older than yeah. that's older than me
1: yeah well, my turntable is older than you of course my is older <laughs> than you
4: well yeah. it's older than most of us on the server except for uh, you yeah. and matt let's see
1: my turntable's older my receiver is older my tape deck is older my my cd player is from 1989. um my tuner is older. Um, yep, yep. Now my Sony CD burner is not older than any of you. My EQ 3000 equalizer is older. Yeah. So mm. about 90 percent of my system is older than all of My Mach 2s were from originally from 1987. Oh wow. No no, 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 no. They were originally from 19, 1985. Ooh.
0: I was only five years old back when them mock twos were bought.
1: No, I didn't buy them in 85. That's just whenever they were introduced.
0: Oh, okay, that makes sense. I bought
1: bought mine in 89. Ah, Cool. Well, they're very good. Yeah, I still Mm -hmm. have them. They're in my bedroom. All right, with the Scott sitting on top of a little Scott.
4: Good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, this concludes my presentation of what a turntable is and and some things about them. Well, thank you. So Does anybody have uh, any more questions or comments nope. or anything like that?
2: Not over here.
1: Yes, Sean, what did you say?
2: I said it was very good, very good yes presentation. Well, thank you so much, thank you so much.
0: All and right, were still now pretty. we got to learn about it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> tonight, since we spent an hour and some change learning about it, Is everybody too worn out to put what they've learned into action? Should we save that for another day or should we just go for it?
2: I think we should go yeah. for it, but that's just me. All right. What do you think, Chase?
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna be up much longer. That's okay. Yes, I think
0: but it's Chase, up to
2: you guys. I mean, we I think can do whatever. out
0: for the count. Maybe we better put what we've learned into action next week.
3: Yeah, I got um yep, doesn't, I think that will we, I think it might be better to make it into two parts anyway because if I was the listener on the other side of the coin, I think it would be beneficial to have two if parts I was a listener, anyway. Cuz this is already okay. But yeah, we'll put it in well, two parts. Well, that's true. I wouldn't <laughs> well, really either, but I wouldn't either, but at the same time, I feel like everything that was covered in this particular episode is so vast. That if I was new to this, I would be listening to this at least twice, and I wouldn't want too much information in one file.
0: That's right, so make sure you're taking notes be when you fast. listen to it the second time around.
4: Yeah, you talking then.
0: about the turntable? That's table, right. Or
1: what?
3: Well, in general, just like... Then you... Plus, by next that's weekend, I'll have a mixer.
4: That's, <laughs> why, that's, why, that's why if why you, you listen, listen to... to... Something, something that's a, yeah, couple, a couple hours couple long, long and if <laughs>
0: you
2: catch something we'll catch that something catches yeah, your eye you should you jot should it, down. it down let's, let's
0: do and that. then let's do, that. do more research do on part it two have a part two.
1: I always my preference is if there's a long podcast on a bunch of different subjects or one subject with a bunch of different content I always prefer to have multiple parts so I can find <laughs> what I want to listen to. All right, to. all right. There's the consensus Does so that make sense. That makes sense. That makes sense? It's been long enough. Everybody
0: have a good day. Good night. Don't break your turntables in between. Um, don't fall. <laughs> Bye. Bye.